And uh, then it was a little bit later that I was realizing the similarities in, in what Bishop shared last Tuesday night uh, regarding an, an utterance from the Holy One and an utterance that comes out of us when we speak and under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, whatever those words may be, as the example that he used of talking to someone at the car wash and saying, you know, oh, I'm just parked here to wash my window, you know, don't, I'm not going to take much time, and there being an utterance of the Holy Ghost in, in those words, and not having to be a, a scripture that's quoted, not having to be a, you know, thus saith the Lord, or uh, some, you know, spiritual revelation, but just the power of, of our words when they're, when they're uh, backed by the Holy Ghost, and um, so all those things have been, have really been stirring in me, and I feel like the Lord's been you know, I don't know if it's if this happens to anyone else, um, but I know it's I know it's with the help of the Lord that I'll I'll hear a message or I'll hear a sermon with some key points such as those, and then it's as I read the scripture through the rest of that day or the rest of that week that it's like man I see that topic in everything that I read, and I'm like man how did I not how did I not see this before how how did I miss this thing and but yeah we've read it over and over and. But as I read it with that fresh word from, uh, from the Sunday before, the Tuesday before, and um, just that heightened awareness, then the Lord begins to bring some more things out as, as he turns, the, uh, turns them over in my mind and spirit. And so sort of the same thing that happened here. Um, I'm trying to, trying to decide here where, where I want to start. You know, we talked, uh, I don't know how long ago it's been now, it's been at least a month, and I couldn't even tell you anything else I talked about, but um, I, I, I think it was a Tuesday night, I was talking about uh, the Philistines taking the Ark of the Covenant, and I used the term that I've co- sort of coined myself about being, um, I think I said like ox cart Christians or something to that effect, right, because Philistines, they captured the Ark of the Covenant in battle when, when the children of Israel had no other hope, and so they decided to take it out to battle. And they weren't really depending and relying on the Lord, but they, they trusted this piece of furniture more than they did the name of the Lord. So they brought it out, and the Lord allowed the Philistines to steal it. And long story short, the, um, we find later David making the mistake trying to move the Ark of the Covenant and putting it on an ox cart. And when that ox cart shook, uh, Uzzah sticks his hand up. And, of course, if you know the story, he instantly struck dead. And David, in his, I can just imagine his, his perplexed, and uh, we see his prayer too later, like, Lord, what, what was that? Um, but we, you'll realize, and I'm sure David, once he repented and, and sought the Lord, he probably came to the revelation as he searched or studied the scripture that, the proper way to transport the ark was not on a cart at all, but that concept and that way of moving the ark actually came from the enemy, came from the Philistines when they sent the ark back. They sent it back on a cart. So originally the way of moving the ark on a cart was introduced by the enemy, by the Philistines. And uh, so David repented and then realized, oh yeah, there's these staves that are supposed to go into these little ringlets on the side and and I was actually reading this just the other day in, in uh, Exodus. Those staves were, were never supposed to be removed from the Ark of the Covenant either. 
And so it's just interesting. You see this progression throughout Scripture, throughout throughout history of of Israel, and and, um, and no doubt we can all relate as as we're all human and have lives of of sin at times that we've lived in, and um, hopefully mostly in the past, Amen. Um, but things still, you know, come and come and get us <laughs> now and then. We still stumble. And the scripture is so full of, especially the Old Testament, so full of these examples of, of the sin, the rebellion of, of Israel, and God's continual, we see through the prophets, God, God raising up prophets and men of God to, to speak the word of, of turn back to the Lord, repent, put away these idols, put away these, you know, all these false, false gods and put this away, and, and continually, you know, maybe sometimes they'd get pricked with conviction, but oftentimes they would ignore the word of the Lord from the man of God and continue in sin. So I want to look at uh, one of those cases actually today in the book of Jeremiah. Had Had to say all that to figure out where I was supposed to start. Amen. So Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah is really a very interesting book, a very interesting character. I'm kind of digging into it now more than I ever have um, and kind of changing up. I don't know if anyone uses a Bible reading plan um, here. I know we've had the little bread charts that the church gives out now and then, but I use some different Bible reading plans, and typically I like I like a big variety, right? I like something from the Old Testament, some some prophets, some poetry, some some gospels, some letters, you know, about ten or so different places. And um, I've I've realized that sometimes that though that's well and good, I'm still getting the word. Sometimes it's nice to just park in one book and just read. And and uh, though no, none of the word is is a distraction. Um, it's nice to just be focused in one place and not be distracted by, by other stories. So I've, be, I've, I've begun to do that a little bit in Jeremiah and starting to see a bunch of, bunch of things here. So uh, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. As I said, the children of Israel were notorious for rebelling, for frustrating God. And uh, verse... 13 chapter 2 says for my people have committed two evils he's going to break it down real specific for them they have forsaken me this is the Lord talking they've forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water man I I um I've heard that term before, a cistern, but I kind of wanted to see it, see a picture of it today. So I was flipping through a couple of books I had and then just pulled out trusty Google <laughs> and uh, Googled an, an ancient, you know, Israeli or Jewish cistern. And uh, essentially what, what that is, is, is a, it's like a pit, really. And they would dig it in the limestone and um, in some cases, it would, could be interchanged with a well, um, but most of the time, a well would be more straight down, and a cistern would be just, 
you see some pictures of it, and it looks like just this giant underground room um, in some cases. And, and some of them, they, they beautify and make them really nice, but a lot of them, it's, they just dig, it, dig out this hole in the ground uh, in the limestone, and, and then they pitch around it so that it's sealed, uh, and so that as the rain falls, that, that the cistern, uh, as the design is, the cistern will collect water, and that's their place of collecting water, keeping water and storing it. Uh, and of course, in the Middle East, where they were, um, you know, we see a couple stories in Scripture, one where, where Abraham is with uh, his nephew Lot, and the time comes when their herdsmen are, are, you know, fighting, and so they decide, okay, we need, to, we need to part ways. And Lot, he looks, and Abraham tells him, you know, we can choose, but I'm going to let you choose first. Choose which way you want to go. You can have that, and I'll go the other way. And uh, Lot, of course, chooses the well-watered plains of, of Jordan. And uh, he, he went after what he saw. He went after where it was plentiful. And um, so th- there is lush and, and well-watered places in the Middle East, but the, the more dry it gets, um, the less wells, there's, there's less wells, it starts to get sparse, and then that's where cisterns came in. Um, but in, in, the, in that area, there's, there's three, three main uh, sources of water that, at least in those days, that they would use, and... Um, the, the ideal one, most likely the one that Lot looked when he saw those well-watered plains, most likely that those areas had, the ideal source of water is, is springs, um, fresh water springs or, or rivers, these, these bodies of water that are, that are moving, that are constant, that, that aren't stagnant, right? Uh, if you know anything about stagnant water, you know that uh, there's liable to be mosquitoes, um, bugs of any kind and just gets just sort of marshy and mucky and just not pleasant and uh, that's essentially what a cistern would kind of turn into it's there's there wasn't necessarily drainage on these cisterns Um, they didn't have a spigot with running water to fill it up rinse it out it was a hole in the ground uh, of mud and um, we'll look at another scripture here where that comes into play, uh, but it's it's interesting to me. The Lord makes this comparison and and calls Himself the Fountain of Living Waters. And and this is this is Old Testament, mind you, that the Lord is speaking and He calls Himself the Fountain of Living Waters. And it's interesting. And I, the reason I mentioned that about the ox cart at the beginning is. Um, because in this scripture, this example, I, I, I kind of see that same comparison of, of us trying to do things our own way and uh, sort of the ox cart type of Christianity or the ox cart type of, of ministry. And what I mean by that is our own method or, or the, the method that's more comfortable, the method that's more, you know, maybe reliable in, in our mind, right? Because... Um, for the topic of ministry, it's easier to plan out a Bible study and write out a Bible study for every week. It's easier to do that than, than actually seek the face of God and, and get a word from God, right? And so we, we put things of the Spirit on, on an ox cart or 
here in this case in with uh, the book of Jeremiah, the people of Israel, they had, they, and because this wasn't literal, even though they, I'm sure, had literal cisterns, the Lord was speaking spiritually here. They'd forsaken him, the fountain of living waters, and they'd hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So they'd try to rely on, on their own means of, of uh, survival, they tried to, and there's a whole lot of other issues here. They, they started to serve other gods. They served other idols. And, and the Lord is saying, look, you can, you can maybe try to contain things a little bit, um, but life is not going to be very sustainable with a cistern, especially a cistern that's cracked and broken and doesn't even hold the water in. And um, he was dealing with not just life and survival here, but he was dealing with sin issues. Um, but what I want to focus on tonight, more so, hopefully we know sin is sin and uh, needs to be cut out, needs to be cut off, right? Um, and with that knowledge and understanding, we, we should have a desire to progress in the Lord, to go deeper in the things of God, to to, like Bishop talked about, having that utterance from the Holy One in our, alive and in our lives. And, and that doesn't come by living as a, as a cistern. Um, Brother Wright, he uses the term often um, a container, a little bit more of a modern term. When it comes to the Holy Ghost, when it comes to Christianity and, and churchdom, a lot, I would even say the majority of Christians live simply as cisterns. They, they come to church and you even hear the terminology of, man, I just need another service to, to fill me up. <laughs> or I just, I've even heard people use the example of church kind of as their spiritual gas pump. They come and they're like, man, this week has just drained me. I need to, I need another Tuesday night or I need another Sunday morning to top off my spiritual tank. Um, as funny as that sounds, I've, I've heard it, um, and I've maybe even thought it myself. I'm, I'm sure I have, so I'm not, I'm not mocking anyone here. Um, I'm just kind of ex explaining the, the mindset that it's easy for us to have if we're not careful. And, of course, the contrast side to this is, is living a life in constant fellowship, a constant flow with the Spirit of God. The flow of, of the living water, the fountain of living waters of God living and flowing through us. Not something, and, and I think of this as well, with, with a cistern, it, was, it mainly was to catch rainwater. Um, they didn't have wells. The wells were more sparse where they would have cisterns, and so it was mainly for just the, the little bit of overflow of, of the rainwater. And so I think, when I think of I'm just going to make up my own term here again. When I think of cistern Christians, I think of those who, you know, we, we, we don't make the time enough for ourselves to have a prayer life throughout the week. So we come on a Tuesday night or we come on a Sunday and hope to get a, bit of, a little bit of that rain and overflow from other people's rivers to drip over into our cistern a little bit, right, to, to fill us up and and we'll, we'll connect with God in, in a service, but, you know, on Monday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, those are, those are my days. And, and Elder even talked about this a little bit on Sunday, the, 
the importance of, of not seeing any of our time as, as our time, right? Seeing our lives as, I, I don't center, I don't center my life, or I've, I've heard it said this way too, I don't have my pri- a priority list, but instead I have God and then everything else around that. You can't put God at the top of your priority list and then try to do everything else. Everything has to revolve around God. And our time is, is probably the biggest one of those things. And I, we're all probably guilty of it. I know I am of, of going through my week and especially with, I, I'm used to having my midweek um, before I came over here this, this year, my midweek was, was Thursdays. Um, so I was used to a little bit more of a gap between Sunday and, and the next service. And so it still, even today, kind of catches me off guard. I'm like, man, it's already Tuesday. <laughs> I better get ready for church. <laughs> Got to make it down there and eat dinner real quick and whatever. But um, little things like that, like, and it, and it doesn't, it's not all having to do with the church services. And I think that's an area as well that if we're not careful, our, our whole walk with God can be based on church services. Our whole relationship with God can be simply based on what we're going to come and get at a church service. Um, and the Lord has been, I talked about it a little bit, you know, last Tuesday, the importance of, of a word from God, the importance of the word from God and the word of God with the disciples crossing over to the other side. They, their faith wavered when the circumstances got, got a little crazy and, and contrary but they had a word of God that they should have been able to stand on, knowing that they were going to get to the other side. And the same is true here in, in Jeremiah. If you begin to read throughout it, I, I was telling my brother when I was leaving today, I was like, man, I have a bad habit of I'll, I'll study or I'll read in like three or four different Bibles at home just because I have a bunch of translations. And... Um, and then I'll bring one to, to church that I haven't even been using for that day. And I'm like, man, where was that? <laughs> where was that scripture? I know it was here. And it reads, it reads completely different because it's a different translation as well. Um, but in one of my Bibles, <laughs> I was underlining a bunch of places. And I know it's, it's here still somewhere. Uh, but as you read Jeremiah, you'll, you'll see the, the verbiage and the terminology the Lord starts to use a bunch. He tells them, you know, y- you haven't listened to my words. You've, you've neglected my words. You've, you've ignored my words. And uh, it's a constant reminder of, won't you just listen to me? <laughs> Can't you just hear my voice and, and do what I, what I desire you to do? And that's, essentially, that's the reason for the prophets is, is these instruments, these oracles of God to, to bring the word of God. And, and Jeremiah, he had it pretty rough because he brought a lot of, we would say, negative words. But he was just bringing the word of God to these people who had been living in sin. And at one point, if you'll, um, you can turn there with me if you would like to. Jeremiah 38. A little bit of time and life has gone by. And um, children of Israel, they're, they're starting to get into bondage, captivity here to Babylon. Things are starting to get a little worse, and uh, people aren't really liking Jeremiah because he told them this was going to happen, <laughs> and they don't like the fact that he was right, and they don't want to accept that, and 
all these other things, just their stubbornness of, of heart and not wanting to repent. And so Jeremiah 38 and verse 6, and this reads a little different in the King James, but uh, finally they decide they're just going to get rid of Jeremiah. So they take Jeremiah and they cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the son of Himelech, um, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. And it, that's exactly right. It was, it was simply just mud. Uh, mire, like a mixture of clay and, and, and mud and water. Uh, but in one of the translations I was reading today, that word dungeon where they cast him into, uh, that word was, was literally um, cistern. Exactly. So it was this place that had been a, a place of keeping water, collecting water, um, a well. And they decided, you know what? This man of God who's, who's listening to the voice of God, who's telling us what God's speaking, we don't like it. <laughs> so instead of obeying it, instead of maybe following it, we're going to throw him into a cistern. The very thing that God said <laughs> was one of the evils that we committed spiritually was by digging out our own cisterns and trying to hold these things in instead of turning to the fountain of living water. And that's with, with cistern mentality, that's kind of always what the end result will be. Right, whether it's with the man of God or the voice of the man of God or or even the voice of God in our own life, we it, it's easier for us to instead of relying on the leading of the Holy Ghost day in and day out and right, I, I think I read the scripture last Tuesday about how the wind blows where it listeth and we hear the sound of it but we don't know where it's going or where it's coming from and in our humanity that's not really comfortable. Right? Not, not knowing what, where it's going to blow or where we're going to be led to next. Not knowing who could walk through that door next that we might need to talk to. Or, right? you just The possibilities are endless. Even little things like you know, for an introvert, the Lord pushing us to say something to someone at the gas pump. Little things like that can just ruffle our feathers, <laughs> make us uncomfortable. And we'd rather put the Holy Ghost in, in a box. We'd rather put that, that side of things of the Spirit just in, in this closed-in area. We, we still want to have that. We still want to have the Holy Ghost, right? We still want to have the, the water, uh, but the willingness to have it be flowing and living and constant is a little bit of a different story. And so it's just kind of ironic to me here that where Jeremiah ends up, and um, in one other scripture, it's more familiar maybe to us, and if you turn to the New Testament, book of John, chapter 7. Yeah. John chapter 7, and here in the life of Jesus now, the same, same Jesus, same God who spoke to Jeremiah, saying that the people forsaken the fountain, him, 
the fountain of living water. And uh, John 7, 37, they're in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, it's the last day of the feast. Jesus, he stood and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, or his inner cavity, this innermost cavity of, of his being, um, I, I hadn't even seen this before, but can't help but thinking of a cistern, <laughs> a, a literal cistern in the earth. This, this word here that in the Greek for belly, the way it translates, um, it's just this empty cavity uh, of space in us. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And of course, this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Um, and at this point, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Right. Of course, we know today Jesus has been, uh, he's ascended, he's glorified. We have the, um, the opportunity, his, his spirit was, was poured out a couple thousand years ago in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And it's a gift. It's a gift for each of us. Um, and you know, there's, there's only one spirit. There's only one Holy Ghost, of course. And we don't get, and this is, this is where that, the mentality of a cistern can get us in trouble is because if we're not careful with that mindset of kind of putting God in a box, coming to church, getting our you know, spiritual tank filled up. If we were to follow kind of that, that way of thinking, then it would, it would have to mean that we could get more of, of God or that we could get more Holy Ghost in us, right? If, if we need a fill-up, if we need you know, a little bit more refreshing. Uh, and obviously we have, you know, there's cares of life, there's things that get in us that block those, those things, but... Um, the Lord desires us not to be, especially once we've received the Holy Ghost. If, if we haven't received the Holy Ghost, then, then we're just a dry, em empty cavity. But once we've received the Holy Ghost, we can still choose to hold it in. But once we've received it, He desires for it to flow out of us, for it to flow out of us as, as rivers of living water. And those rivers not only flow out of us and through us and, and continually, you know, remove the debris and the things. And, and you know, I mentioned like with, with bodies of water that are still, that are stagnant, starts to stink. Bugs start to get there. Muck and mire starts to form. And uh, that's kind of how our, our hearts and our lives can look and, and be, even with the Holy Ghost. If we're not allowing and letting the Holy Ghost work in us and flow through us, and this goes for praying in the Spirit and, and ministering, speaking to a brother, a sister, or someone. Yes, sir.
Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. This a cistern was it wasn't was never meant to keep the water there forever, right? Um, but like in the example of of Jeremiah, where it was when the Lord spoke to him regarding the spiritual state of Israel, um, he actually literally got thrown into a, a cistern later. That wasn't spiritually speaking. He got thrown into this cistern, this prison, and and there was no more no more water there, but there was still a moisture there, enough that it was just mire, right? That it was just the the clay and the muck of things that were left over um, of this cistern that had been emptied out, and and he began to sink. He got stuck there. There was no flow. There's no constant. And and obviously, you know, in 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 places like uh, Virgin Islands and and Middle East. Uh, cisterns serve their purpose right it doesn't mean that they don't they bring life for sure um, but I promise you that in any place that has a, a cistern I promise you that they would relish to have flowing <laughs> running water right a cistern gets gets them by it, it, it does the does the trick for the time being it's a lot of work <laughs> To have to dig one out, have to constantly fill it and keep it clean. And it's a lot of work for ourselves. But when we have the, the flow of the Holy Ghost, the flow of living water, the fountain of living water flowing through us, it's going to keep us clean, keep us pure, keep us, keep us holy, keep those, those things that would try to grow on the surface or try to get in the way of, of that flow. It's going to keep those things moving out. And um, I was, again, this is actually just from a conversation, but a couple weeks ago, Bishop, and he probably had some of these things that he shared last Tuesday, had them already on his mind. Um, but he talked about talking to some people who, you know, dealing with, dealing with loneliness and, and, and just not feeling satisfied in their life. And he said he told them he doesn't, can't really relate because of the flow of the Holy Ghost and not just because of preaching behind a pulpit but because of conversations where a friend will call him on the phone and there will be a two-way flow that they, they flow into him and he flows out and, and that constant flow, that constant moving of the Spirit in our lives is, is I believe, I know what, what the Lord desires um because where there's where there's flow, there's there's life. Where there's flow, there's there's going to be things produced. Um, you can always you can drive through a, a desert and ha- has hills and different things, and you can almost you can almost always know where where the water is. Obviously, because it's going to go to the low point, but also because you can look and start to see in those crevices some some greenery and some trees, and then if if you drive long enough, you'll see an area and it's just like <laughs> just all green and on the end or something maybe. And if you go into those areas, you might not always see it on the surface, might not be a river on the surface, but you know that where there's greenery, where there's life under the surface, somewhere there's going to be there's going to be water. There's going to be a flow. And I desire to not just have that flow 
for myself that I might have life because otherwise I would just need the cistern. <laughs> the cistern would, would suffice if it was just for me, if it was just for those, you know, right around me. But I believe that in the, because there in Jeremiah when the Lord says, they've forsaken me, the fountain of, of waters, however it said it, and then here in John, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. In both cases, it's, it's a plural example. And so I believe in these, in these end times, in these, these final hours where, where God, I believe, is, is going to bring millions to him. He's going he's gonna to turn backsliders. He's going to turn cities. He's going to turn churches that, that aren't in truth, different things. He's going to all is going to turn to him. And it's gonna take it's gonna take these streams, these flows of rivers that flow out of his church, that flow out of the body of Christ. Amen. I have one other um, scripture here. Brother Vance. Is Canadian accent. Right. Yes. Amen. <laughs> it's Canadian accent. That's funny. The spout where the water comes out. And I have one other scripture here I want to uh, want to read, and you can stand with me tonight. Trust the uh, Holy Ghost. I hope that. Hope you can um, remove any part of any part of me that comes out in any of this. Maybe muddies the water. Um, but the Lord just brought this scripture back to my mind here in in Ezekiel, another another uh, prophet, and Ezekiel forty-seven. This is the result, as I, as I was talking there about rivers, you know, flowing out into these valleys, into places, and, and it, it taking rivers to, to be able to reach these people. The scripture came back to my mind in Ezekiel 47. Um, there's a whole lot here, so I'm trying to, trying to get to a condensed version of it. Um, so they're, they're at the house of, of, of the Lord, and they're measuring. Probably maybe heard the story before, heard parts of it. Um, and they, they measure, uh, a, they, they take this measuring stick, whatever it was, and they measure a thousand. And um, it was a line. So verse 3, they had a line in, it, in his hand, and he went forth eastward, and he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. 
um, and the waters were to the ankles. And again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. He's going a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters were to the loins. And afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, and a river that could be not passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. And then this is, what's the, this is what is the result of, of such a river. When I returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. Like I said, where there's, where there's a flow, there's, there's life. Then he said unto me, These waters issue out towards the east country and go down into the desert. They go to a dry place, and, and they go into the sea, which brought forth into the sea, and waters shall be healed. Amen. It shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. Amen. Everything shall live where the river cometh. And I believe that that's the desire of the Lord to, he wants to bring life into dry places. Not only just for you and for me, but when we live in that river, it's, it's, we'll be satisfied every day. But then we'll begin to see the we'll begin to see the outflow of it. And that's where the example of the container or cistern comes into play. So with the container, we can put a cap on it. We can stop it. But with the river, there's never supposed to be an end. There's never supposed to be a stopping. It's not something that can be controlled. It's not something that can be put in a box and, and moved on a cart. But it's something that we have to yield to that has to be released we have to trust in and know, okay, God, you're the fountain of, of living waters, and, and I don't want to be the spigot at the top. I just want to be the conduit. Amen. Because I know I'm a vessel that you've poured into, but I don't want to be a container that holds you in. Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Can we just lift our hands where we're at right now? Father, we thank you, Jesus, for the word of God. I pray, Father, for the witness of your word, for the witness of your spirit tonight. Not words of man, Jesus, not any ideas of men, O oh God, not our programs, not our systems, Jesus, but your river, your river of living water flowing in and through us, O oh God. God, I believe that you have a plan and a desire for each and every life in this place tonight. You desire, Jesus, to bring life into each of us and also to let that life flow out. 
to flow into our communities, God, to flow into our neighborhoods, on our jobs, at the grocery store, at the gas pump. Jesus, I pray that those rivers of living water would come out, that they would produce an utterance of the Spirit of God, an utterance from the Holy One. God, that we not contain them and hold them in, but when we feel the stirring Jesus on our mouths, that we would open our mouths and speak the word of the Lord Jesus into people's situation. That we, we would speak life, God, where you want to bring life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Help me, Father, to allow the river of your spirit to flow. I don't want to contain it, God, or hold it in. I don't want to be a dry cistern that's broken, Jesus. But I want to allow the flowing of the Spirit every day. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. 